This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. I put expired cream in my coffee today, and I thought I could stomach it, but man, it's really... Mm. It's really leaving a wang in my mouth. Like, just uh, a terrible taste. It's uh, a sickener. That is a sickener. It was, uh, the expiration date was the 12th. Today is what? 27th. Yeah, you know, it's uh, pushing it with, cre- is it like uh, fresh cream in the milk section or one of those uh, highly chemically uh, constructed ones? It's an organic, pretty fresh sort of thing. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That's, yeah. Anyway. Live from Studio C. See, senor. Dimly lit room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. Hey, everybody. Today, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The geniuses at NASA. They reached out into the far stretches of the cosmos to knock a meteor off course in a bold experiment to protect the planet. Cool. Zip zoom. Awesome. We have more on that uh, that amazing story that happened. As I always say about this sort of stuff, it's it just seems so uh, it's incongruous or just interesting, I guess, that human human humanity has got both things going. You know, something as amazing as this, as we get closer and closer to going to Mars, and meanwhile. Same old human nature, same as the caveman. No different at all than the caveman of you got stuff I want, I'm going to take it, is what's dominating the world and could end the planet today. Mm-hmm. And that's something. Human, human exactly. beings, yeah. we've, we've we got one part where we've moved so much further from the caveman, and then another part that actually weighs more heavily on society that hasn't changed an iota. 
just the tools. But, uh, yeah, the impulse, sure, it's the same. Yeah. We are as grubby and horrible as ever as a species, yet capable of achieving mind-boggling feats, right? Yeah. So we got a lot more on that, too. The most dangerous story in the world. Have you seen the lines at the border of Russia? The people trying to leave 10 miles long of cars, almost entirely men between, like, 19 and 50 trying to get out of the country? Tell you what, if I'm a 16-year-old, I want to leave, too. Yeah. Now they're uh, being accepted into Kazakhstan, who made a big announcement. You're welcome here. We'll take care of you. Kazakhstan, who's been an ally of Russia all these years and uh, at least uh, you know put up with Putin to try to get along with him uh, welcoming saying saying uh, you know, we understand uh, the war's got to end and you know come to our country the leaders of both Turkey Erdogan and India Modi both said you got to give the land back dude you got to give the land back and she with China said you got to end the war dude so he's got oh, yeah. no friends at this point given many many opportunities to say something of even the weakest sort in support of the russian special military action the indians and the chinese in particular declined to utter a word of support nothing and uh, erdogan specifically saying you got to give the land back that's that's wow. something wow we went through the list the other day the only six countries that voted uh with Russia on whatever ridiculous Security Council sort of measure in the U.N. they had the other day. And it was Syria, North Korea, Iran, some country in Africa I'd never heard of. Places like that. Those are his friends. Yeah. You know, often useful in life to look around at the company you're keeping. Mm-hmm. Good way to Good way to measure stuff. <laughs> and so, as we talked about yesterday... Uh, well, and another way to measure countries is how many people want to get in, how many people want to get out. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, look at the United States. Badmouth the United just, States. Just look at it. Got millions of people trying to sneak in all the time from all over the world. Um, I was listening to a great roundtable of smart people today on one of your cable news channels about, uh, so uh, how's this end? I mean, if he goes, then what? You still have the largest nuclear arsenal in the hands of who? Yeah, I think what the world needs to seek is some sort of orderly succession scenario in the future, the near or long-term future, that we need that. In a dictatorship when they have to kind of rebuild everything? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, that's what would serve the world. Sure. And, you know, you can get hung up on, well, that is wrong. We've got to overthrow the dictator. But no, it's just, no, no, no. Sorry, the nukes change everything. So, you know, new dictator, maybe we can work with him better. One of his buddies, I don't I don't know. See, that's the problem with dictatorships, is dictators deliberately do not designate a successor. Because the moment you do, the successor's coming for you. Mm-hmm. And lining up people behind him and saying, yeah, I realize we were talking about 2030, but, uh, you know, things are going poorly now. Why, why don't we do the succession now? So <laughs> there's always a vacuum. Man, my coffee tastes terrible. Well, stop drinking it. What will it do to Good me? Good Lord. Drinking old cream, what's it likely to do to me? Vomitous oh, and, really? and, and rampant diarrhea. Yes. Hmm. That doesn't sound, that's not going to help my day. <laughs> Nor mine. <laughs> Yuck. We should start the show officially. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, September 27th, the year 2022. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. 
Oh, my gosh. I just thought of something so funny to say, but it's over the line. All right, let's begin the show. Officially now, according to FCC, rules and regulations, we're leaping into action at Mark. Looks to me like we're headed straight in. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Wow. Visual confirmation. All right. We have impact. Is that the actual impact with the asteroid and the sounds of the old arcade game asteroid? Which I can Who play. Authorized this? Which I can play in my Tesla. It has asteroid in it, which is very handy. The old asteroid game with the sound effect. Oh um, my gosh. Uh, So you watched it. What was it like to see? Could you see the? Well, well, I remembered with about ten minutes to go that oh, that's right, that's coming up. I should have set myself an alarm, but I'm an idiot. Anyway, uh, yeah, I did. It was amazing because the. Uh, the spacecraft that was sent to smash into the asteroid and nudge it from its orbit uh, was sending back images as it got closer and closer. And the thing went from just kind of a glowy blur next to a much bigger glowy blur because it was an asteroid that orbits a, a much bigger asteroid. Uh, but it came more and more into focus to the point that in the final image, it was like standing in my backyard looking down. Wow. Just before the impact. I mean, granted, the landscape itself was just a rocks. I mean, it was a lot of little rocks on a bigger rock. Um, but the clarity of it mm. at that mind-boggling distance. And uh, it was just seeing a glimpse of something that far away as if it's in front of your face. For some reason, I just found it awe-inspiring. Yeah. Huh. And so did we uh, give that asteroid what for? Let him know his boss? <laughs> I think they got to do some. <laughs> That's right. That's the head of the mission right there. Um, I believe they need to do some measurements and calculations to figure out to what extent we did nudge it into a different orbit. Gotcha. All, all as the the lady made clear right after the clip ended, uh, the first ever intergalactic mission to save planet Earth, a real one, not a movie. Yeah. Um. Which I understand uh, streams of Aerosmiths don't want to miss a thing were very high yesterday because that was the hit song that came out of the big <laughs> asteroid movie. So we'll have to get that on the air today, Michael. Um, I think it's another example of uh, the ugly American in the way that we show up to European countries in baseball caps and fanny packs. Now we're going out into space and blasting into perfectly innocent asteroids minding their own business. You know, I got to admit, I had a flash of. This does remind me a little bit of the early days of other sciences. Like, you know, if you were an, uh, an Earth scientist, a zoologist or whatever, and you went looking for interesting species, if you encountered one, the first thing you'd do is kill it and bring it home. Right, right. And it did. It had just a touch of the feel of that. Yeah, but asteroids you know, aren't a, alive. Well, no, they're, no, they're just a pile of rocks. Um, on the other hand, there was a bit of a, okay, we're we're. Uh, dicking around, if you will, <laughs> with, uh, to cite the technical term, uh, <laughs> with forces and, and things that we haven't before. So may end well, may not. So was it headed toward Earth, or did we just pick a random one? Picked a random one. But so now it might be headed toward Earth. <laughs> it's headed for the heart of Tokyo. It's highly classified, but a source just told me that. No, no, that just it was practicing. It was using the gear to see how well it worked and in what way. Isn't that amazing that we have spent billions of dollars on a project to 
if we have to someday, the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs, we'd have seen it coming, pushed it out of the way. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. That should get more attention. Yeah, I suppose. We're giving it attention. Sure. Um, how does mailbag look before we move on? Oh, it's it's good. It's it's full of kind and gentle, constructive criticism. <laughs> I get a lot of that on the text line, too. Kind and gentle, <laughs> constructive criticism coming from a place of love. Yes, yes. You'll, uh, you'll enjoy it. You said a second ago you uh, thought of something to say, but it was across the line. I had one of those experiences over the weekend where I made a joke that went too far. Hurt some feelings, had to retract, and I had to had to explain to uh, to someone about the whole nature of being edgy, and if you're going to be edgy, if you're going to walk on the edge, which is funny, exactly. Every once in a while, you're going to tiptoe over on the other side of the edge. If it makes you grin, you leave it in, <laughs> right? It's Michael's standard. You know, and then, uh, if you got edgy friends, sometimes they're going to say something too much for you. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so uh, a lot of good stuff on the way. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Rise and The CBO, nonpartisan, came out yesterday and scored Biden's loan forgiveness plan at $400 billion. So there you go. Yeah, well, the expense ain't half of it, if you ask me. It's morally, constitutionally, ethically bankrupt. It's, it's illegal. It's regressive. It's idiotic. It's pandering. Well, that the, the, the amount of money matters in that it would easily be the most expensive stroke of a pen by a single human in American history, and that's not the way our government is supposed to work. And uh, and the, the only thing you hear about it, and we'll get into this a little bit more later in the hour, is uh, there may be legal challenges. Yeah, there are going to be legal challenges, and they'll win. It's, it's absurd. It's idiotic. It was a gesture. It was a gesture, which is what pretty much all the politics is now. Yeah, yeah, it's a publicity stunt, indeed. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Going back to our series from William Arthur Ward, American journalist of the 20th century, writer. Opportunities are like sunrises. If you wait too long, you miss them. Ooh, good one. Ooh, strike while the iron is hot. Mm. In other words. Oh, there's another one. Now you struck while the iron was cold, you idiot! It was hot earlier. Well, it's like sunrise. You're going to miss it. Mailbag. Oh, remind me. I just saw something about this. Remind me to talk about Dahmer, the new Netflix series. I started that last night. Oh, no. Oh, 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 oh. 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 remind me to talk about that. Grimm's Fairy Tales. Not a comedy. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Perhaps you'd like to uh, watch that fine bit of entertainment with the kids. (laughs) Tell us how you like it. No, don't watch it with a Marine. <laughs> Suitable for no audience. All right, moving along. Hypocrites is this note from Daniel. Surely not a new concept for you two Biden hating, snickering idiots, but surely some parts of your brains know the right, as long as Trump keeps his testicular stranglehold, will never be good for your and my country, snickering idiots. Okay, thank you for the constructive criticism. 
Then this from Kevin, who is by far our most uh, virulent and damn near only Russia-supporting listener. WTF even is this show. Jack is, I'm, and I'm going to use a term, I'm going to read it that I never use, ever. Because you ought to hear what's in the email. Jack is an actual retard. Wow. A, wow. a, bellic, a bellicose, fear-mongering, ignorant retard. If anyone on the show there had done any research at all outside of parroting mainstream media, you would know that Shoigu has said multiple times NATO troops in Moscow would result in nuclear warfare. Seriously, Jack is a effing ape. Wow. Again, more nuanced constructive criticism. (laughs) Remember my son once said, I'm being raised by apes. (laughs) He was unhappy about some parenting thing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, One of uh, America's finest young editorialists. Let's see. Uh, Bringing your whole self to work. My response would be that is you going to let the Russian general dictate terms on uh, what uh, what you can do and what you can't do? They're going to decide where the line is, not the rest of the free world? Well, both get a vote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like my response would be uh, that's like your opinion, man. (laughs) <laughs> You're a blanking ape. All right, Ricky the Bricky writes on bringing your whole self to work, which is the new hot trend in the C-suites, in the board of director. We need everybody to bring their whole self to work. Your personality, your quirks, your fears, your passions, your love life, your sports. It just everybody should know everybody completely at work, ah. which just horrifies oh, me. Hey. Ricky the Bricky writes, I don't know about you guys, but it seems to me this country was a hell of a lot better when you just brought your ass to work instead of your whole self working on my old man sayings. <laughs> yeah. Coming along well, Ricky. Jeff from Missouri on the uh, the concept of the joke. Thought about the discussion yesterday regarding the joke among politicians, and that is, how would you describe it, Jack, briefly? Uh, they, they all think that democracy, that the country and democracy in our system of government is something you can just, you can just mess around with. That's the joke. Everything's a joke. You know, I say things I don't believe and people even know I don't believe them. And I say other things off camera. I just, I say, I, I call people racists or say they're trying or fascists or whatever. I don't really mean it. I don't really think it. I just, you know. Yeah, and we'll do, say anything, do anything to raise money. None of it matters. Uh, So I've thought about your discussion regarding the joke amongst politicians. These people that lead our biggest institutions are not there because they were nice and compassionate people. They're not there because they wear integrity around their neck. The people willing to step on others' heads to get that much power are all narcissists and even worse, sociopaths. They're essentially addicts, and their addiction is control and manipulation. So, of course, they get off on it and have fun and laugh about manipulating people. It's like they're high on drugs when they're wielding their power. You know, I think that's a pretty good description of politicians until they prove otherwise. Yeah. Not a All joke. Of them. There are leaders, and you'd hope they could lead us in a different direction, but it seems to be what the uh, people want. We get the government we deserve. It seems to be what the people want. The over-the-top Boy, belligerence. People were sure fired up about the Stacey Abrams no such thing as a fetal heartbeat mm. six weeks thing. We've got some notes on that I want to share with yeah, you. Yeah, we should revisit that topic if you don't know that story. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. 
comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got one very coarse text about what happened to them when they ate old yogurt. Said stay away from my expired cream, okay? Uh, Also got this. Now that the aliens that are watching know that we can put a rocket right down their pie hole, we might get invaded any day. (laughs) All right. Wow, a preemptive strike. I get it. Do you remember Rachel Dolezal, the fake black person turned out to be race activist uh she's got an only fan page which apparently is getting a lot of attention today she's uh turned to that among other things wow. we can talk about the dow is now officially a bear market down 20 yeah. percent from its high the i might get these mixed up but it doesn't really make any difference the s and p is down 23 percent for the year the nasdaq 30 percent for the year so that's where we are on that Oh, 
man, I was rich for a while. No, I'm not again. <laughs> Don't look at your statements. I made that mistake on Friday by accident. <laughs> My kids' college funds. What? I mean, luckily, I don't need them right now, but if you did, crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why a good uh, investment management strategy is so important, Jack. You mitigate risk as you move closer to needing the money. (sighs) Speaking of business, a great lesson in just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Coming up in a few minutes, but... Boy, howdy, this uh, rising star of the Democratic Party, Stacey Abrams, lost to uh, Brian Kemp in the gubernatorial race uh, a few years ago. She's running against him again. Even after she, she claimed she w- the election was stolen. That's right. Which she still hasn't backed off of. No. That gets not enough attention in the media that the one of the rock stars of the Democratic Party became a rock star by being an election denier. Right. Right, indeed. And then she ran around registering people to vote, which is uh, uh, fabulous. It's great. Uh, but she also became an activist in, in destroying any concept of ballot security. Just mail them out across the fruited plain. Anybody can connect them and, or collect them and bring them in. So she's on that side of things. But she's trying to win, uh, governor of Georgia again. And, uh, she was at a forum the other day and she said the following. There is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. Uh, just so you, uh, in case you, you didn't hear that clearly, she said, speaking of the fetal heartbeat and various fetal heartbeat laws, there's no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body so that's what you're doing there when you get the various prenatal tests is everybody's there including the mom and the perhaps tearful dad cognizant now that there's a miracle growing inside his partner that's that's not what it's about it's in establishing the point that men have the right to take control of a woman's body and apparently the female doctors i had in both cases uh for both pregnancies for sam and henry and the uh ultrasound machine and the hospital and uh they're all in on it the yeah. continuation of the men keeping women down with the whole fake heartbeat thing Right. And uh, bottom line, she's talking about, you know, it's just a manufactured sound. It's an electrical impulse or a proto heartbeat. We uh, got emails very helpful from a number of folks who are either uh, techs or OBGYNs, doctors and that sort of thing, explaining the different sorts of machines that you use to to look at the the fetus and its development, that sort of thing, and how, you know, conceivably in a lawyerly way, okay, it's not a true heartbeat and that it's not circulating blood throughout the child's body, but it's a proto-heartbeat that shows the, 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 the fetus is alive and developing. That is an amazingly sick and twisted statement that oh, she yeah. made, and I don't know if she's going to get away with that or not, but I, I don't know how many of even her constituents who really hated the Roe versus Wade being overturned are okay with this whole thing. So uh, that that orifice that's going to turn into a nose isn't really a nose, and the place where the eyes will go, those aren't. I mean, what what is, what are you trying to claim here? 
And those little fingers and toes, they're not fingers and toes yet. What uh, what is your what are you going with her? And then and she went on to I those think are she, manufactured images designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. So she goes on to say that it's not a heartbeat. I think she said until ten weeks, which is weird in terms of the argument she's trying to make. So you are saying it's a heartbeat at ten weeks then? And all of this dust up is around twelve week cutoffs or fifteen week cutoffs. So Right. Um, uh, what what's going on there? I think you just made our case for us. Right. Thank you very much. Right. Uh, but you know, I asked the question yesterday: Does she have children? I don't. And think the she answer, does. not surprisingly, was no. And w- w- what she doesn't realize in her quest to just make everything ugly and combative is that. My dear, you just turned one of the most amazing and miraculous moments of every parent's life. That you, you never just, forget. Right, that you never forget. You just describe, You just told every parent, that wasn't incredible, miraculous, and earth-moving. That was ugly and fake. Wow, nice political calculation, you moron. Yeah, you were duped. All those emotions, duped. You were duped. I, I can't believe that landed very well with anyone. Got a couple of emails, as you might guess. Got quite a few, but I've chosen a couple. Christy writes, I don't usually get upset about news stories. Otherwise, I'd be upset all the time, and who needs that? I hear yeah, you. Into that. That's yeah. the way I am. But when Stacey Abrams had the gall to claim that the heartbeat at six weeks is essentially fake and the creation of the patriarchy, it flat out pisses me off. As an infertility patient of many years, including five rounds of in, virtue, in vitro fertilization, that six-week heartbeat is everything. I'm blessed to have heard it twice after hard-fought battles, and I know the pain all too well when you expect to hear it and you don't. Oh boy. That missing heartbeat was one of the hardest days of my life, and her ridiculous dismissal of that proves how disconnected she is for humanity. Thank you for the note, Christy. She says some very nice things about us, which is a nice balance to, you know, the previous emails we read. <laughs> And then uh, Tom has some very helpful notes on the, uh, the, the the technical realities of the thing we're discussing. Um, so, and then he summarizes, and he's, I believe, judging by all the letters after his name, he's definitely, yeah, in the medical field. Uh, uh, and so now let's have Stacy tell all those first trimester moms who come to my ER for bleeding over the years, who were so relieved to have a normal fetal heart rate or ultrasound, who were so or who were so heartbroken when I had to tell them there was no fetal activity. Oh tell them that it all meant nothing. Wow. Uh, I, you know, I haven't followed Stacy Abrams at all, um, but. Some of my uh, favorite political pundits uh, say, how did she exactly become such a rock star? Was it just the election denying? Because she's not really very good at this whole being a politician thing. It's becoming clear. Yeah, Yeah, because that was, man, that was some poor calculation right there. Yeah, what a a brutal thing to say. Um, I mean, we have more people blasting away at it, but you got the idea. Right. So I haven't checked the latest polling, but uh, in terms of governor races, that uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona doing uh, much more competitive than some people had uh, been concerned about. She's uh, practically Trumpier than Trump and uh, the the TV anchor, and she's doing pretty well. She's completely phony, but she's really skilled. Hmm. 
And, they, you know, watch, I just called a politician phony watch alert you, the media. <laughs> exactly. And you know, watch the way you talk. She might be the next governor of Arizona. Huh? Okay. <laughs> be arrested. You cross the border. Governor bashing is kind of my thing. Mm. What the hell is going on? Yeah, that's right, you <laughs> lunkhead. Yeah. That's right. Radio host calls politician phony. Details you know, to come. The the kind and gentle part of me almost hates to beat on Gavin Newsom because he is so certain he could be president, and he's so wrong. I mean, he is going to get a sniff of the Oval Office, and in the way only somebody who runs for the office can understand. I've read descriptions of it by eloquent folks. Otherwise, I wouldn't know. But you get uh, a, a need, a fever in you that's somewhere between a coke addict and and a horny teenager. Oh, jeez. Needing that office just oh, desperately. And his hopes are going to be dashed badly and in an embarrassing fashion. So uh, we're all again, human. We all fall short sometimes. Well, and you're going to is the thing. I uh, We're about to take a break, but I came across this earlier. This is from the dispatch. You know that old Johnny Cash lyric, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die? Well, NASA scientists crashed a $300 million spacecraft into an astronaut just to see if they could. If they could. Into an asteroid. <laughs> yeah. See right. if they could. Just to watch it jiggle. <laughs> Science! That's exactly right, Michael. Uh, we have much more on the way. The, the protests in Iran continue to grow. And people who've been watching this sort of thing decades say this one could be different for a lot of reasons we can explain. All kinds of different stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Listen to this. A new poll found that in a potential 2024 matchup, Biden and Trump are essentially tied. Keep in mind, the poll has a three-point margin of error and a ten-point margin of these guys are like 80. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, how about the reaction by the audience to the setup? (laughs) Right, yeah. No excitement. (laughs) Stop Uh, threatening me. Yeah. Oh, speaking of threats, so I'm I'm uh, getting ready uh, this morning, and uh, I glance over at the counter where Judy often leaves stuff for me to see um, when she's not around. And there's a, a letter, and it's from a certain rental car company of which I am a uh, like your uh, status member, Prime go straight to the car, gold premium member. Exactly, extra special guy. Uh, and this, uh, there's no need to name this company, but. Uh, you know, if my uh, sister Mavis was going to start Mavis Car Rental, uh, I, I would go with her. So if I punch you in the arm, it doesn't hurts. No. Your sister Mavis. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So uh, we rented a car, a minivan, uh, at SeaTac Airport, Seattle-Tacoma Airport, for my daughter's wedding to shuttle people back and forth. Judy and because and you're a the car. Diamond Circle Premium member. Oh, exactly. Yeah, they they scatter rose petals in the garage for me to walk to the car. <laughs> um, and then there's there's a champagne toast as we open the doors. <laughs> right, right. They sit down. There's somebody a masseuse playing, in the back rubbing my shoulders. Somebody playing the cello for some reason. Oh yes, it's wonderful, wonderful there at Mavis Rent a Car. <laughs> and so, like an hour and a half after we uh, exit the airport. I think a warning light went on or something, and I realize uh, the right rear tire is really low on air, air pressure. And so I thought, huh, that's kind of odd. So I stop at a gas station, I squat down, I pay a buck or whatever it was, I fill it back up again and start monitoring the air pressure. Well, by about two, three hours later, it became clear, no, that tire's losing air. There you go. That's always fun. At this point. It's it's fairly late in the afternoon, and I, I know by the rate of air loss, I can get it to the airport the next morning to swap it out. So I go back the next morning. I say, hey, this uh, van I picked up yesterday, it's losing air, right rear tire. You need to check it out. They're like, oh, we're very sorry, sir. Let us, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we have another man. Uh, go to space uh, J3, if you'll give us a moment for they the cellist to, to tune up. Exactly. They had to rescatter the rose petals. Exactly. 
But they said, yeah, we've got another one for you right there. Thank you very much. And so I jump in it. I say, wow, that's really good service. And so we go on. And uh, so we got this letter. Uh, Thank you for renting your vehicle with us at Mavis Car Rental, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, According to the terms of the rental agreement, uh, oh, uh, this preliminary letter is to notify you we identified tire damage on the vehicle you checked in. Oh, wow. Somebody identified tire damage. Wow. It was me. According to the terms of the rental agreement, you were responsible for the cost of repair. In order to recover the costs associated with this damage, Avis Car Rental will charge the credit or debit card you have on file for the vehicle repair cost is $56.40. And then they tack on a $29 administrative costs fee. $30 for the paperwork. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So F you. So they're going to charge me $85.40 for having been given a car with a leaky tire. The amount will be charged approximately 20 days from the date of this letter. The cost breakdown is as follows, blah, 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 blah. uh, Mavis Car Rental holds this relationship with our customers in the highest regard. If you have any questions, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm going to write them back, and I have a couple of different ideas. Number one idea is... Uh, for various reasons, we have kids scattered around the country. Judy and I fly around a fair amount. We rent cars all the time, and we're going to rent a car for a couple weeks. I'll never, I'll never rent an Avis car based on your story you just told. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell them. I, I, I'm going to tell them. I have a car rental coming up. You know, I could open the Mavis Car Rental app and tell you how much I'm paying for this car for a couple weeks, but it's, it's quite a bit. I mean, it's hundreds of dollars. I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cancel my car rental for hundreds of dollars, and I'm never going to use you again. I'm just going to become a diamond-certified cello rose pedal member at uh, another company. Right. Thanks. Goodbye. F you. Right. Uh, are rental car, car companies really struggling to make profit? Because I used to back in the day, if I got a rental car, I never looked it over. It was never a thing. I just... But I got dinged, what, a year or two ago where I didn't look it over and you point out some scratch somewhere and they claim that I did it. So now I walk around the car and write down all the crap and everything. So are they just like really working to try to make money? I wonder the fact that they will deduct that from my credit card or charge it to 20 days from the date of this letter suggests to me it's like, you know, when they ask you if you want the undercoating at the car dealer and try to convince you it's a great idea. They're, they're waiting to see who resists. They send out a uh, thousand of these letters. Yeah. 650 people say, you mother blankers, I'll never use you again. And they say, oh, no offense attended. We value you as a customer. Don't worry about it. But the 350 you don't, they ding them. Maybe. That's my guess. Now, you know, if I, like, T-boned a fire hydrant because I was drunk or something like that, <laughs> I totally get that. But the idea that an innocent mishap, which I maintain, probably happened before I picked up the car. And was a pain in the ass to deal with. So you pick up a car, it's right. got a little tire, so you got to bring it back and all that sort of stuff. Come on, you should, you owe me money. I'm tempted. Well, exactly. You read my mind. I'm tempted to ask if there are any attorneys out there who just for a chuckle like to write a letter for me, counter suing Avis for the time, trouble and emotional distress. Emotional this caused distress. me on the weekend of my daughter's wedding. Right. My great uncle my- died in a car wreck because it had low air pressure. And that's all I can think about now. My elderly father had to be picked up at the airport. My daughter's getting married. I was I was terrified. I was uh, uh, emotionally distressed. 
It caused me physical pain, loss of consortium. I was on the there way. There was to no pick- way I could get an erection with that going on. I was wait on the a way to pick up AIDS medicine and the cancer cure. And well, no, there's no need to make stuff up. You don't know how lawyering works. You just take the mundane and make it sound horrifying. <laughs> Right. And so, yeah, the plus, you know, and make it sound horrifying. It was the tire was low. And now when I think about it, I get heart palpitations and can't do my job. Well, and I had to squat down and it was quite warm and I got sweaty. Uh, and uh, what was the other one? I had another good one. Um, oh, you know, I'm not bragging, but I don't make $15 an hour. So if you make me waste an hour of my time, it's going to cost you. There you go. So you biatches owe me $15,000. <laughs> Or we can just forget about this. What do you say? Right. Mm, bastards. <laughs> uh, Have you not been to your own offices there at the airport? There are 15 rental companies that are practically interchangeable. I'm a diamond inner right. circle, gold-plated, rose-petal cello member. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you thinking? For $82. Yeah, $85. Yeah, dumb bastards. So we played that clip, a joke from Fallon, which the point was there's a poll out where Biden and Trump are pretty close together if they were to run together. Again, Joe's under the belief that neither one of them will run again. But um, it reminded me that James Carville is quoted in a Politico piece saying, you can't pivot away from the obvious. Talking about Joe Biden trying to pivot to other things other than like the economy and gas prices. Maybe we'll touch on that because that that's a pretty good point. It's hard to pivot away from the obvious. And and for the record, no way Biden runs sixty percent. Yes, Trump runs. Mm. That's that's my official. So you think more likely than not for Trump? Yeah, barely. Uh, if you miss an hour of this show, you can get it in podcast form. Just search for Armstrong and Getty on demand. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.